describe yourself in three words? Just three words. I think I'm passionate, I'm very pursuant, uh, and I'm very artistically inclined. I have a cutoff. I mean, I literally work only till six o'clock, and after which I try not to take any calls. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk, the special design edition. In this edition, we take you through the creative journeys of artists, architects, designers, and entrepreneurs. So, let's talk. Today we have with us Jayesh Sachdev, who is an artist and founder of Quirkbox. Welcome, Jayesh. Thanks. So, Jayesh, your Instagram profile is extremely interesting, and uh, I followed you uh, because of your artwork, and I know you as this uh, brooding artist. But how would you describe <laughs> yourself in three words? I think brooding artist was me maybe 12 years ago, <laughs> but a lot has evolved since, and. Uh, Hopefully, I think I think a lot more people recognize me as the guy who does Quirkbox now. Right. Uh, but I'm glad there are still people who recognize me as an artist. You know, there, there is this uh, underlying flavor to it, and it still comes out in a lot of your work. So yeah, but I want you to describe yourself in three words. Just three words. I think I'm passionate. I'm very pursuant, uh, and I'm very artistically inclined. Oh, I like the artistically inclined part of it for the artist. But how would your mother describe? She would probably say misbehaved. So you were a naughty kid or you still are? I, I wasn't a naughty kid, but I probably became a rebellious uh, teenager. Right. Uh, so I I mean, we had a lot of our disapprovals at that point. Right. But I, I, was, I was probably a very well-behaved child. Uh -huh. But at some point I became... A rebellious Just this teenager. Angsty teenager, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so uh, let's talk about humble beginnings. Uh, sure. it, it would be interesting to uh, know your journey from being an artist to an entrepreneur. Uh, I went to. Uh, I mean, f f f as a, as a young boy, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I had a lot of ideas of. I wanted to be a tennis player. I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to become a pilot and you know, at one point I wanted to be a writer it kept changing uh, at no point did I realize that I had an artistic inclination mm -hmm. or that I was going to become you know some sort of a, a designer of sort or, you know um, for the longest time my focus was always about becoming some kind of an athlete or something to do with sport mm -hmm. and uh, my, my father comes from a business of sport as well so at some point there were conversations at home about uh, me probably pursuing that mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I wasn't very inclined towards doing right. uh, so there was a suggestion of me probably starting off a sportswear line or you know something that I could adapt my interest into what my father did and uh, that I thought was something I could consider you know right. and uh, I gave thought uh, through the course of that I figured out let me try learning something to do with design Mm -hmm. And uh, I started, you know, just dabbling with uh, graphic design, etc. And I started enjoying it. I started, re I realized that, you know, okay, this is fun. Uh, but I mean, a part of me always still wanted to be a tennis player. I, I, I played uh, competitive tennis at that point. Wow. Uh, but I mean, clearly, I mean, you, you realize at a point where you start losing the fourth round consistently that you don't have really a future with it. Right. Uh, so as much as I would <laughs> say that, yeah, I'm, you know, I was perseverant I also had a reality you know that I had to accept um, so I mean I chose something that I was equally uh, excited about mm -hmm. and yeah I, I, I applied to a couple of design schools in India at that point NID and I didn't I didn't make the cut 
so obviously you know it's a i wasn't very happy with how that panned out and mm-hmm. i uh i probably was dejected as well uh but i mean i, I kind of stuck to my guns about wanting to go to design school and right. i started applying to schools again i i redid my portfolio i practiced my own skills and i i uh made it to a design school in singapore uh i don't know if made it is the right word but i mean i i was fortunate to get admitted into a good school mm-hmm. and uh it really kind of uh it was formative in terms of my foundation as an artist as a as a designer right. uh the exposure level was really great because it was very multicultural as well mm. um so i kind of you know met with students of diverse backgrounds and right. it really changed my thinking process as well uh, i worked uh, in advertising for a while and then i moved back uh to india to start my own design studio great uh which was great in hindsight i mean it sounded like the right thing to do you mm-hmm. know leaving that lucrative job ha- in singapore and coming back here uh but yeah when i came back i had i had been disconnected with the indian market for a while and right. i really had no uh clue of how things to run work, things work or yeah. to run a business or you know any such so i was jobless for the longest time and i was looking for i mean opportunities come my way whether it was as little right. as designing a t-shirt or a logo or a whatever it be mm. you know um yeah in the course of which i started using my time to paint and draw and before i knew it i had loads of paintings <laughs> lined up and i figured what does one do with all these paintings yeah. they were just sitting in my not even studio but in my bedroom um, okay. and then you know someone said oh why don't you just put up a little art show and see how it goes but i mean obviously uh, there are there are multiple uh, roadblocks along the way mm-hmm. one of them being that i painted nudes at that point and i mean i still do so not a lot of galleries were receptive to the idea of showcasing right. them uh, so i started off with a small space and i showed my works and they kind of uh, people were receptive to them they were well appreciated i sold some works yeah. and they encouraged me to another show and i kind of kept painting and i got better with it mm-hmm. and uh, before you knew it i had done multiple shows across right. the world and things worked out just fine in the course of which also my studio started picking up and people started recognizing that this artist probably has some kind of talent and <laughs> or hopefully you know uh, so yeah that that's how things progressed and then few years later uh quirk box happened okay uh, who have been your biggest role models and influencers personally and professionally In art school I was very influenced by different artists uh, mm-hmm. whether it was Picasso or Andy Warhol mm-hmm. uh Picasso was very rebellious in his need to change the way art functioned right. and Andy Warhol had this very commercial identity to art and he had a very clear focus of uh putting a business to you know how art function and they were very influential in the way I kind of thought because I think a part of being a creative entrepreneur is also about finding the balance between monetary as well as creative. Absolutely. And uh and I think that's where most of, of the designers are like that's the challenge most of us face. It is uh, it is in fact most creative fields whether it be writers or yeah, any such yeah, for that matter. Yeah. And uh that was a challenge I faced as well obviously but I mean you know these these two artists uh, I was largely influenced by additionally of course my mom uh and an uncle of mine who also was from the creative field. uh were always like you know uh, the north star and i kind of like looked in that direction mm-hmm. constantly to see how to move forward and um, reach out to them whenever i needed to so jayesh uh, every artist uh, has a muse or muses uh, who is your first love or first crush 
my first love or crush was neither a muse uh i mean i wasn't an artist at that point oh, so, so this is cool. me when i was a little teenager probably <laughs> so uh at that point i i had no I, i wouldn't say she was my muse at any point <laughs> uh today my wife is my favorite muse obviously uh wow. but uh so many hearts melting <laughs> I, i don't know about that but uh, yeah my my first love was when i was in school in school yeah and please tell me it was not your teacher <laughs> it was it wasn't my teacher okay we weren't that lucky to have teachers Hot were teachers. yes we, we weren't <laughs> that fortunate speaking so uh, would you like to say like how how is that feeling and how does like does being in love inspire you in a certain way or not or lack of it because i mean i think it's all in emotions of different kinds that inspire us as artists right. uh my series of first work started out from a heartbreak right and uh probably the style of work that i pursued at that point was very influenced by the darkness of the emotion that i felt mm-hmm. and uh, the transition from that today is slightly evident in uh, how different my work is from back then which is probably because of the emotional space that i am in now right so, so is uh, it more colorful and more vibrant it is it is relatively yes i mean it, it's it's a contrast on that aspect yeah. uh, for sure uh, but i mean it's just different emotions that you know inspire different uh, works right so what's the most uh, memorable thing you've done growing up Gro- growing up yeah, you like mean as like a, as a as a kid like some naughty incident or some something that you've done i actually uh, was a rather well behaved kid i mean yeah. I, my mom made this okay but but i i played a lot of tennis i was very very passionate about uh, either you know, some kind of sport i was always sport. into some kind of sport yes i played football and tennis a lot Uh, at some point, I, I I started writing, and I uh, I, re- I read Shakespeare when I was in my ninth grade, and I thought that I should start writing because I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. And I remember I wrote a I wrote a book actually w- at the age of fourteen, wow. and then uh, when I read read it six months later, I I realized it was really bad, <laughs> and so then it's, I it's only for I threw it in the bin literally, but. Uh, My mom found it and she kept it and she still has it today. But I, I don't, I wouldn't dare read it because yeah, not even <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't dare read it because I'd embarrass myself. Um, <laughs> but fourteen, yeah. like you know, that's yeah. In hindsight, it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure it was a terrible book. That's so cool. So just let's talk about uh, life as you know it now. uh with quirk box and you know uh, i mean i'm sure there are a lot of people out there who want to know uh your design process how you start a creative how you can basically uh, get out there and uh, convert a creative passion into something which is uh rewarding in terms of money so uh that's how you started your creative business i'm assuming but that that so means you're also assuming that <laughs> i make money i can't really can't be that but i mean i, I can i'm sure i can help answer your question i mean uh, a lot of creative entrepreneurs or a lot of creative businesses start out of a need for something right or a need that we as individuals feel lacking in you know in the market which uh, as an artist i i felt that uh, most people don't visit art galleries mm-hmm. uh, most people are intimidated by the concept of art or find it either unaffordable or don't understand it right and i wanted to bridge that gap uh so i just i mean there was a thought which uh changed the way i would show art and that would be to get people to wear art instead of going to the galleries right so if i change the medium of putting ca- you know an, an artwork on a canvas 
and saying, come watch my show. What if instead of that, I said, you know, just wear my art and walk around and be my gallery. Uh, you know, that would also make art more accessible. It would make it affordable. It would uh, just, you know, the reach would be a, a lot different and uh, it wouldn't be concentrated of certain demographic. Uh, that's how out of a need for changing how people saw art, uh, I felt I needed to sort of uh, start an initiative which mm. out of which Quirkbox was born. Right. It started off as putting art into new mediums. Mm -hmm. It started off with lifestyle and stationery and furniture and apparel. Gradually, because of the demand and the commerce of it, we did a lot more fashion ah, sure. than the other parts of yeah. in the product. But uh, that's how Quirkbox came into being. So it's been uh, seven years now? It's been seven years now. And uh, so I would like to know the entire process of, you know, like say uh, from designing from how it goes from a paper to an actual manufacturing unit and to the markets, say online markets, offline markets, how do you place the entire process? Right. So I mean the, the key principle of our label is the print. I mean because right. uh, we were always about being an art label and not a fashion label. We call ourselves an art label uh, even though we sell clothes. Hmm. Uh, so what's, you know, the U USP of our brand is the fact that we make our own art. Uh, so the process of uh, design varies from understanding who my consumer is mm -hmm. uh, or who I would like it to be and if I figure out that you know I want to reach out to a 25 year old it's about understanding what that 25 year old likes right. or if I want to create a more premium product I have to create it for a niche that can afford to pay a certain detail oriented mm -hmm. product whether it's a luxury fabric or it's you know embroidery or you know whatever else you're going to add on as a value to it. So the design process is very uh, defined by understanding the culture that you are catering to. In some elements, there was, uh, in some ways, there was a lot of uh, luck because when we started Quirkbox, we honestly had no clue of any of these factors, and mm -hmm. we just thought we'd make a cool print and put it out there. And we right. got lucky, maybe in some ways, and it right. it sold, and people liked it, appreciated it, bought it, put it out in the news, and you know everyone was talking about it. But then you obviously hit a roadblock because after yeah. a certain point, people forget about it. How because do you, somebody like, scale else, it up? yeah. I mean, very soon you have plagiarism. People want to copy your right, concept, and right. it it goes rampant. And you know, uh, so scalability when when you have to do that is when you start asking yourself questions about how to grow and how to define it, and that's when you start wanting to reach out to your consumer, understand what they want. How have you used social media? I have literally started this label from ground up uh, by using social media to the best that I could you know right. when we started out we had literally no budgets to mm. uh, advertise to ha in whether it was influencers social media influencers like you see nowadays or celebrities or any such you know mm. or any kind of advertising and uh, this is uh, in 2011 when we started out right. uh, Facebook was still a thing yeah uh, <laughs> it used to and be uh, you know we use that very organically to reach out to okay. people our growth was very consistent and organic. It wasn't through paid advertising. Right. It's probably so it kind of caters to the, it, it, it speaks to my audience that sits on Instagram right. literally, you know, just swiping. But what you also have to realize is that your time span of attention with this generation is very short. They're right. literally just swiping, swiping, swiping. Yeah. And, you know, within those fraction of a choices. second, you have to be able to sort catch, of, uh, their catch their attention and also want to convert that into an opportunity for them to say, you know what, let me not just pause and double tap a, a heart over there, but also want to buy it. So 
Uh, understanding uh, social media becomes very vital as well. Right. Yeah. Social media has too much to offer, but uh, we still have all these creative blocks uh, as artists, as creators. So, how do you deal with them? In my case, I mean, in the case of Quirkbox, since we are not essentially trying to sell you fashion, we are not determined by uh, a season. We are not determined by uh, what's in trend, uh, right. because I'm still actually an artist at heart. Right. Uh, for me, the focus is about an artwork that will work in context to a season. So, if frills are in fashion, it doesn't deter my artwork. Right. Or if uh, denim is in fashion, it still doesn't deter my artwork for that matter. So, uh, the question may be a little different for me as it may, may be for other people because in my case, I am still constantly going to be creating artwork. The only difference is then understanding that, okay, if I am designing for a festive collection, my artwork needs to be defined towards a festive yes. line. I, I can't be drawing uh, bananas and trying to sell it as a, you know, for people Divine. to wear it at, at a wedding, you know, it may not work. Right. So, so what, what keeps you going? What, what inspires you? Where do you draw your inspiration from? I have a cutoff. I mean, I literally work only till six o'clock and after which I try wow. not to take any calls. Uh, I don't work. I just shut shop. I go play tennis and I unwind. So uh, for me, I mean, I didn't used to do that until very recently, until right. maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Right. And the first five years were literally, you know, working, eating, sleeping, eating, sleeping, work. Uh, you know, literally on calls at dinner time, calls after dinner time, waking up, and the first thing you do is check your emails. And then you realize that you know it's not creatively conducive. Right. Uh, you're getting nowhere, right. and uh, you have no personal space. And uh, I think that disconnect from your own work. Uh, is also creatively uh, conducive. I mean, it kind of yeah. gives you your time to yourself to rethink right. and reinvigorate uh, yourself for the next challenge the next morning. Right. So, uh, it's something we don't do. I mean, it's con we I consciously started to make an effort to make mm. sure that I stop. To take uh, all these yeah. creative yeah. breaks. So, uh, that's the kind of challenge uh, all of us uh, face as artists, but uh, you also do nudes. Uh, how is that? I'm not talking about Me Too anywhere here, but then how is that? been when you like fine uh, we still it's okay if an uh, uh, French uh, artist is doing it or if somebody you know abroad is doing it but in India still it is not taken uh, very positively or it's not easily accepted do you face that issue I do I do I people mean, judge I, you or a lot yes definitely I mean uh, they do uh, we are a conservative society in in India yeah. We've, yeah. we it's been the case for for generations and centuries right. and uh, it probably may not change for a long time even. Uh, right. We objectify sex and uh, or nudity so, so uh, we don't see it for art's sake. It's right. just a matter of perception and it's also the education of it. I mean we don't teach art in schools, right. we don't have you know it's an evolution of mind and an evolution of thought which isn't uh, at its nascent stage right. inculcated into whether children or girls or boys or whatever such. Yeah. Uh, so definitely there are taboos associated with it and those are reflected onto me as an artist to actually So has that know, affected you in your daily running or in your, you know? Well I mean not, not in a direct way but subconsciously it's not nice you know I mean when you may draw a nude and somebody may think of you as a pervert, it's not a nice thought, to, you know, yeah. or to get somebody on your Instagram saying, "Oh, what a pervert! He draws nudes." But then, of course, for every you uh, get those messages. I mean, every, time now, and again, every now and then, yes. But for every uh, 
for any good thing for that matter, that it comes general. with a certain backlash. Whether it's quirk box or whether it's drawing news or whether it's just, I mean, you have to get from point A to B, there will always be a speed break in between. So, right. I mean, if this is just one such thing. At the end of it, there are a lot of people who actually uh, are very appreciative of what I do. There are women that I draw and I don't discriminate in terms of just drawing models or a certain body type. Right. I draw all sizes and shapes. Right. A person while watching the final outcome doesn't know about it. So how can like how can people be more aware about these things? No, I, I mean, I think it's just a, it's an inner uh, reflection of how you think or uh, what you believe. and. Uh, there are many people who see it for what they should right. and there will always be people that won't uh, but uh, I have mean you because faced any challenge? I mean I've been doing this for a very long time for right. close to 12 years now so I mean people uh, perhaps have a certain trust in the fact that my intentions are not, uh, <laughs> not questionable <malicious. laughs> or that okay. uh, so I think they're more receptive to being a muse or posing for me or you know having right. Uh, share their vulnerabilities right. or inhibitions, right. uh, which it's is also how how comfortable you make the other person feel. I, I guess so, but extent. I mean everyone, even today, is a little inhibited. Whether it's it their own inhibitions about their own body image, right. or just the fact that you know a stranger is going to see me uh, naked. Naked. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's only natural. I, I mean I I don't expect any any different. It's only natural. But uh, I mean, I do see a, a change. I see a lot of people now open to the idea of it than right. say when I started off 10, 12 years ago. So yeah, we're, we're getting better at it. Let's let's just end it at that. I, in some ways, in some ways, yes. Okay. So this is the game I like to call, if not this, then that. And uh, it's uh, our own version of rapid fire. Okay. Uh, I'm quickly going to ask you questions and you have to be rapid. I'll try. Uh, let's start. Uh, if you were not living in this time period, then what time period would you be living in? Maybe the 18th century. Yeah, why? It was, uh, there was a, I like the romanticized notion of things that were back right. then. If you could be anyone other than yourself, who would you like to be? Andy Warhol. Mm. If you didn't know how old you actually are, then what age would you say you are? I am 21. <laughs> that was convincing. <laughs> if you're not currently living in India, then uh, where would you like to live? Barcelona. Why? It has. It's a cultural part of all the right ingredients of design, history. And uh, football, <laughs> well, I'm not a Barcelona football fan, but I'll give you that. Uh, the food and, I mean, warm weather. Thanks. Mm, if you were not a human, then what would you like to be? A dog. Oh, God. We've got like at least four people say that and why? Same reasons. I mean, they're just a bundle of affection and yeah. actually, I am not that. So, maybe... It, you are not that. I am not that. So, okay. it would help to probably see a different side of me. <laughs> okay, th this was a different perspective because most people... Okay, yeah. So you did great. Okay, cool, thanks. Uh, so as the show is called Let's Talk, who would you like to have this session with? I would probably like to invite Arisha Souza, the illustrator. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's a great friend and also a really, really fun person. Right. A very talented illustrator. Right. 
uh, and I know the energy that she would bring to this would be really exciting. Awesome. It's been great talking to you, Jayesh. Uh, before we leave, I would uh, like to ask you our signature question. Sure. Uh, what is that one thing that you want people should talk more about? Uh, both art and design for that matter because right. India as a, as a country is very non-appreciative of both these right. uh, professions. Right. Uh, we think of it as hobbies. Yeah. Uh, we uh, discredit design right. or don't give the credit that it deserves. Right. Uh, I would really love to see that change right. uh, where people start appreciating, well, not just design or art, but generally the creative fields. Yeah, uh, yeah that would be a great space to be in. So uh, we had the founder Indifolio uh, on the show uh, also and he pretty much said the same thing and their whole philosophy is they have aggregated artists. Right. So basically they give, uh, a, give a platform right. to all the artists and they're focusing only on design. So I think that's uh, it's a better version of Behance I would say Okay. Uh, because it has uh, artists and vendors both on the same platform. So great to have you here Jayesh and I would like to leave you with a small gift. Our partners have been gracious enough to provide you with this uh, one day Thank access card. Uh, whenever you are in Bombay you can uh, have access to all the facilities of this club called the A. Right. Uh, you can work from here. They have a spa and they have a meeting room so I think that would be great. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. The show is being powered by Institute of Marangoni, who always believes in supporting talent. I would like to thank Indifolio for co-curating the show with me and also the A where I'm a member.